For me, it was a quite difficult journey. I probably still am at a place where sometimes I, I don't like what I see in the mirror, but I'm really proud of what I can achieve on a rugby pitch. You're listening to the England Rugby Podcast, O2 Inside Line. I'm Lark Davis. I'm Mark Davis. I play for Bristol Bears and the Red Roses. The position I play is hooker, so that's number two. The best way to describe it is probably the person that's in the middle of the scrum between the two props and throws the ball in at a line out. So we're very focused on set piece, but also can be described as sort of a third flanker on the pitch. I'd biasly say that it's one of the best positions to play, but I don't think many people would probably agree. Three components I think would make a good hooker are their work rate around the pitch, obviously involved in scrum, line out, and then, like I said, trying to be that sort of third flanker on the pitch, so getting involved a lot in sort of those big tackles, big carries. I think probably like diligence in terms of like the throwing aspect of it is quite a sort of closed skill, so being able to nail your throw in any situation, any high-pressure moment is really important. You think of your goal kickers... It's actually like a skill that's fairly similar in terms of like the pressure aspect of it. So being able to deal with that pressure is really important, especially in those big moments. Growing up, I think my parents would probably go to the word independent. I'm the youngest of three girls and I quite often was sort of left to my own devices and my parents just trusted in me, like, me in that. Where I grew up, is very much sort of in the middle of nowhere. Tiny two-bed cottage with the five of us in. So my sisters and I, we all shared a room. As you can imagine, it came with its challenges. And there's a five-year age gap between me and my older sister, a three-year age gap between me and my middle sister. So yeah, between the three of us, we, we shared a room for a fairly long time. And I think I'd attribute that to how well we get on now. There were very few arguments, but like I said, it was, it was chaos. When we're all there now, including sort of husbands, partners, my niece as well, chaos. But yeah, it very much is, is nice whenever we do get that chance to go home. I think sport's always been a massive part of my upbringing. My parents were always open to giving us the opportunity to go and try anything that we wanted to do. And so that meant that predominantly we spent our younger years swimming. My middle sister, Fern, was a great swimmer. She competed sort of at, at junior level for Great Britain and Wales. And so a lot of my childhood was spent at the side of a swimming pool. It wasn't until I was probably about 10 um, that I actually started to get involved in rugby. And so had that balance of I'd swim probably like four or five times a week and also play rugby. And at 16, it was like, it's up to you what you do now. Do you want to keep swimming? And do you want to go and train with Fern Swimming Club and do that? Or do you want to go and play rugby? And I liked swimming, but I loved rugby. So rugby seemed the really obvious answer. But yeah, I think seeing my older sisters and the sports that they played, I quite often say they were a massive sort of inspiration to me and they still are to this day. So they've played a huge part in what I do now. My sisters have always been incredibly driven in terms of what they do. My middle sister, Fern, who's a swimmer, and my older sister, Holly, who's a lawyer, and also is now a mum to my niece, Ella. Incredibly proud 
of Holly for the work that she does as a lawyer, but also she does an incredible job being mum. It's always great to have her at games and she was huge inspiration to me growing up. And then my middle sister, Fern, like she didn't make what she wanted to do, but she was still so tenacious, like in her approach to everything that she did. She trained ridiculously hard. She used to get up at like three in the morning, train four till six, go to school, train four till six in the evening. And as a swimmer, that's like seen as like what you do, like you spend all sorts of hours in the pool. And I think seeing that as as a young girl and especially someone so special to me and my sister was was huge for me. And I, I quite often still think like, at least I'm not getting up at three to go to the swimming pool to swim for two hours. My name is Fern. I'm Lark's older sister. I think that we had a really special childhood growing up. There was three of us causing chaos in Little Hereford. But as a little one, I think growing up with two older sisters, she was extremely independent. It was really amazing that she found rugby and that was something that was really unique to her as a child. Anyone that would know Lark would say that she's such a hardworking person. And when she's got a goal, she's really, she really kind of sets her mind to it and she, she tries to achieve that. I think that as a family, we're all extremely proud of the journey that Lark has been on throughout kind of her rugby career. There is nothing prouder than watching your little sister walk out in an England shirt uh, and represent her country. And that's something that I, I don't think will ever get old, regardless of how many matches she plays. I always watched rugby with, with my dad. I'd always seen male rugby players. I'd never seen female rugby players. And actually locally to me, we had Jo Yap. She lived sort of about 15 minutes away and was, was playing for England rugby. There was actually a picture up of her in the leisure centre, which I used to look at and be like, OK, she plays rugby, that's really cool. Had a teacher that came into my primary school and introduced tag rugby to me. Absolutely loved it and went looking for a local club, which was Luptonians, and then went on to play for Worcester. I vividly remember 2010 using like the dial-up connection, which a lot of the girls in the squad wouldn't even know what that is now, but trying to watch the final of that. And that was when I sort of saw these incredible women playing like the game that I loved so much. And I think that for me was like a real moment of being like, okay, this this is possible and I could go on to play for England. It's one of those things that when you're you're young, you think that, oh my God, this is amazing. Like this is unbelievable. And, you know, I think as soon as I then continued to play at Worcester and I had some really amazing role models that were playing for Worcester at the time as well. Your likes of Rocky Clark, Laura Keats, Lydia Thompson, Kat Merchant. They played a huge part in the start of my career. Playing Premiership Rugby as a sort of 18-year-old and um, being surrounded by them was like massive impact on me as a player um, and a person as well. My biggest champion was my dad by far. We'd be down the garden, like throwing the ball. He always taught me how to pass, but he taught me how to throw the head as well, which a lot of the girls that I was playing with, they hadn't done that before. And I think it is quite sort of a niche skill to have. So we do one-on-one -on -one scrums, we do all sorts. He took me everywhere, albeit about three hours early. We were always, <laughs> always leaving at ridiculous hours. 
think sport and being a parent in sport can be quite tricky at times and managing that dynamic. And the games where he knew not to say anything, he wouldn't say anything, and we'd have a quiet journey home. And the games where I initiated that conversation would be where you know he'd give me really honest feedback. I think as a young girl, I never really sort of believed that it could be my career. You know, I had these amazing role models that I was seeing playing rugby for England, but I knew that they had a profession alongside it. And I think that was something that shaped what I went on to do. So I became a teacher, but I was always aware that I wanted to have a profession that would support me to be able to play rugby. I think the big thing for me when I was teaching was the balance of the both. I wanted to be a great teacher. I wanted to be a great rugby player, and it was very difficult to do those two things. I've probably held myself to the highest standards possible, and I think at times I just didn't live up to that because it was just so difficult to manage it all. I'd be getting up at crazy hours to try and get a gym session in, go to school, try and be sort of the best teacher I could be for these little ones starting school, and I made the decision after a year of teaching that I'd go part-time. And it probably wasn't the best decision financially. <laughs> I was lucky that I had the support of my parents and my now husband, Jamie. It was definitely something that I think played a huge part, being able to have that time to go and train, have a few days off in the week, an extra day for recovery over the weekend. And it also meant that I had that time teaching as well. There's a massive sense of responsibility in that as well. And I felt like those weekends where I was going potentially away to DMP, so a trip to Newcastle and back on a Sunday, and then getting into school on a Monday, it was like, right, okay, how can I show up? How can I be the best I can be for these children now to make sure that they get what's needed out of the day? I look back on it and think that was really tough. And I think now I can't quite imagine how I did it, but I definitely did it with the support of the people around me. The environment that I was in at Worcester, uh, playing senior rugby, there were so many of us doing exactly the same thing. And 2017, obviously, they got short-term contracts, but after, it was back to work for everyone. So I think it was still very much like I was seeing the women that I was playing with as, as my role models and seeing that and probably didn't see that comparison at the time between, OK, actually, a men's setup is full-time professional, they can prioritise their nutrition, their rest and recovery, whereas it feels like we're constantly chasing our tail a little bit, trying to make sure that we can balance our work with the rugby side of it. It was probably when I actually went professional that I was like, wow, this is how it's been for the men being professional and this is how much you can focus on what you need to do from a rugby aspect, but also off-pitch in terms of your rest, your recovery, your nutrition. I think I see sort of the balance that we, we have in our club rugby in terms of those that are full-time and professional and those that aren't. You know, there are still many women that are, are juggling professions with playing rugby in, in the PWR. We're very aware of that. And at Bristol, like, we do a great job of making sure that they can be integrated and get their sessions in. But at the end of the day, like I'll have been able to do my analysis in the morning, get sort of rest and recovery in, get my nutrition right, whereas they'll, they'll have been at work. And I'm really considerate of that because I've been there, I've, I've done that. And I think I quite often have conversations with, with our younger girls where actually they're like, we didn't realise you did that. We just kind of assumed that you'd always been full-time, you'd always had this sort of role. Hopefully, 
in however many years' time, then we'll have a professional league where players can be prioritising those things and they can be able to to play rugby full-time. And it's it's certainly going that way. And the progress that we've seen from sort of when I first started playing Premiership rugby to now is huge in terms of the support that we get on-pitch and off-pitch. Scores and England on the score sheet in two minutes. I'm Sarah Beckett. I play for Gloucester Hartbury in England. Lark is, I'd say she's a bit of a silent assassin in terms of when she gets onto the pitch, she's very hard hitting, but actually off the pitch, she's just a genuinely really lovely woman. She's so caring for people and she likes people to be treated fairly and very hard hitting on the pitch and likes things done to a certain standard, definitely. I'm Holly Hitchson and I play for Bristol Bears and England. Lark is super kind. She's caring. She thinks about other people before herself way too much. <laughs> She's just a really like good human. That's how I'd describe her. If you wanted to like model a kid on someone, you'd pick Lark because she's just so nice. <laughs> England, they go again. Davis got one in the first half. She opened the scoring, she goes, Davis gets a double! Prior to going professional and going part-time actually with my job, I'd been capped one year, had another year, got another couple of caps, and then actually when I went part-time and was able to give more of my time to those sort of off-pitch aspects, but also on-pitch gym training was when I started to get capped more regularly. And there was a certain physical difference as well. I was able to get my nutrition really right, which had a massive impact in terms of muscle gain, which led to weight gain, but weight gain that was needed in terms of what I wanted to achieve on the pitch. I was going to sort of England camps and not achieving my goals in terms of what I'd been set for, say, like my bench press or like tests that we needed to do. And in the year, couple of years that I went part time with teaching and was able to really prioritise those things, there was a huge difference in that. And I think that's massive to the success I've had now. When I was sort of growing up, I look at sort of the role models I had and Obviously, I had these incredible rugby role models, but I think a lot of the time I was sort of seeing and hearing a lot of talk that probably just didn't really empower me to be sort of the rugby player that I needed and wanted to be. And I think for me, it's massive for young girls, boys, children, women, adults to have these these role models on the pitch and off the pitch that celebrate their bodies and for what they can do. I think for me, it was a quite difficult journey. I probably still am at a place where sometimes I, I don't like what I see in the mirror, but I'm really proud of what I can achieve on a rugby pitch. And I think, you know, I got married recently. It was so cool to like put my wedding dress on, feel really beautiful, but also feel really strong at the same time. I love the fact that my shoulders, my arms, they're there for purpose. I can throw a ball 15 metres in the line-out, hit the back of a line-out. I can dominate a scrum. I can make big tackles. And I think that, for me, was massive in terms of where my mindset changed around it. I don't like always to talk about weight because I think it's like it's more so for me about how I could perform on the pitch. But this was at the time what it was. It was like, you're a 70 kg 
hooker, we need you to be 90 kg. It was like having little goals and increments to meet. But I think the massive thing for me was that it came naturally because of what I was doing sort of on pitch and off pitch. So I worked really hard in the gym to make sure that I was gaining muscle mass, but I also nutrition wise, like silly things like I'd be eating quark which is like soft cheese that's really high in protein before I went to bed to make sure that I had that protein hit throughout the night so that I could keep gaining that muscle and that lean mass and I think there was a definite change in my body shape and I think for me seeing that it was for purpose and had this bigger purpose was what made it so empowering and I'd love for sort of girls within the game to be able to look at the Red Roses, which I think they do, and go, okay, there's loads of different body shapes that are all incredible for what they do on the pitch, but off the pitch, they're seeing sort of us day-to-day life and what we can achieve there too. And I think that's something that's really important to me. I hope to be an inspiration by talking openly about it. You know, I think it's really important that we do and it would be dishonest of me to say that like every day, like I go out there and like, yeah, like I love how I look today. But actually, I think when I go out on a pitch, like I feel strong, ready to play my best game. I'm proud of what like the journey that's that I've been on to be able to get to this point where I can go and put an England shirt on. And I think, yeah, it's really important to make sure that all of us do such a good job at talking openly about it being the best role models that we can be for young girls. I think just like be proud of like who you are and what you bring. Like it's not about how you like look, it's about like who you are and what you are. I think that's so important. And I think quite often as a sort of a teenager, especially it was a lot of it was about, you know, how you looked. And I think actually if I went back to the person I was and what I was doing day to day, I'd look back and be pretty proud of myself and it's really important to know that you're special just for being yourself so just just keep rolling with that my name is jamie um, and i am recently become lark's husband when i first met lark um, it would have been i think about eight years ago now uh, back at university yeah just thought she was Really nice, really lovely girl um, who had a real, we had a real mutual interest in rugby. I remember watching her play, going from no stands, very small crowds, to going having the amazing experience of going to Twickenham back in the Six Nations and seeing the thousands of spectators there. And, and that has been an amazing journey to be part of. Luck's achievements in rugby have been amazing to follow. The attributes she's also got she's really really like gives time to those people at the side of the pitch remember her distinctly as well the, the six nations game at Twickenham like she was there for for quite a time doing signatures and talking to the young children boys and girls so yeah I mean I'd like to think she, she does her part in sort of inspiring the younger generation she enjoys connecting with those younger individuals and hoping she can push them along into a into a more enjoyable rugby experience having the opportunity to sit amongst friends and family uh, for England games and the anthems being sung is always quite a say, emotional part of it um, and, and makes me super proud. But then it's just seeing her go from doing all the work and all the training and continuing to do so and just being able to live out what she wants to do um, is probably what makes me so proud.
Being a full-time teacher, we used to train Tuesday, Thursday, play a Sunday. We played on um, Worcester WRF. RFC um, pitches. So we used to play on those pitches. Our parents and friends and family used to do like teas, coffees. We all used to help like do the changing rooms, like making sure that they were clean. Quite often some of us would like bake things to sell and we'd then go and play a premiership rugby game and then would go to go to work the next day. At that point when at the time, it was the Tyrrells Premier 15s that, that came in. The, the game started to grow massively. Our crowds for England started to grow as well. Sort of, We started to see the fan base grow massively and I think obviously becoming the Red Roses as well. And that was huge for us. I think that identity is massive. And I think now we sort of look at it and we have all of us as Red Roses, but our past Red Roses too. And 2019, when full-time contracts came in, the run-up to that, I was like, there's no chance that I'm not getting one of these contracts. I want to be full-time. It was something that I'd never really expected, but something that I knew was what I wanted. Might sound a little bit cheesy, but it really was a dream come true to become professional with rugby. It gave me time to focus on, you know, my strength and conditioning, my nutrition, my analysis. That was massive in terms of being able to um, reflect and watch through games, training. You look at sort of where we've gone from 2019, I think the standout is probably having a sellout crowd in the final in New Zealand and then going to Twickenham the year after for the Six Nations and having the crowd that we did is absolutely amazing and it just shows exactly where the game can go with the right support. And I think, you know, we still got a way to go, but we're definitely getting there and would love to see a sellout crowd at Twickenham in the years to come. And I think that definitely will come, but I certainly know that for a lot of us that know sort of where we've come from and have been involved in the game for a long time, that journey past the cabbage patch through the gates at Twickenham was just completely surreal. It was like a I need to hold back tears moment. And like I knew I needed to be focused on the game. Like I knew that I was ready to play that game. But also at the same time, I just like the motion of seeing a sea of people and like the amount of people there to support us and all cheering for us on the bus was just unbelievable. And it makes me so excited for sort of the young girls that I play with at club that I'm like, this could be your future. This is what we're trying to create for you. Sorry, I'm getting emotional about this. <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's so special. Some of the games that first got aired in sort of like BBC Two, where people were able to watch from home. I had loads of messages from sort of people I talked with and and pupils are taught saying like this is so cool like we're unbelievably proud and I think them being able to watch now more readily a lot of them watch club games now too I'd like to hope that there's a few girls that are now playing rugby because sort of as a teacher I was there saying yeah I play rugby I play sport and you know I've got this dream and this is what I want to go and achieve and I think that's really important for young children to see. Mm -hmm.